Good morning, Gateway. Please stand on your feet. We're going to enter into the time of worship.
Gateway. My name's Jordan, and I'm one of the worship leaders here. So glad to have you with us on this frigid morning. Uh, we have a whole week of freezing cold weather coming. Oh, joy, oh, joy. Um, why don't you turn to someone to your left or right, say, good morning, how are you? And as you do, answer the question of, would you rather be freezing cold or blazing hot? I think my answer is whatever the opposite is of whatever I am now. Uh, so use this as an opportunity to meet somebody around you don't know. Yeah. 
we ask that your spirit would come down in this room. We know you're here, you're present, but help us to sense it. To open ourselves up to hear what you have to say. Help us to quiet our minds of the busyness of the week and the distractions that are racing through our heads. To listen to your whisper.
seated. We have uh, good evidence that um, the Lord appreciated, our Lord appreciated children. There's one incident in the New Testament where the disciples are trying to keep the little kids away from Jesus because, you know, spirituality is grown-up business. And uh, Jesus says to them, no, 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 um, you know, let them come to me. Because, and then he uses them as an illustration. He says, because uh, the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like this. So uh, that's why we do this here at Gateway. We um, encourage parents and we join with them 
as they uh, desire to dedicate their children. Allison? Sure. Good morning. This family, the Pitchers, have come today out of the thankfulness of their hearts to dedicate their child to God. We are happy to join with them in this special time of dedication. We recognize that this service is deeply rooted in a biblical background. In the Old Testament, we read, And Hannah gave birth to a son and called his name Samuel. She brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh to Eli. And she said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition. Therefore, I have granted him to the Lord as long as he lives. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. In the New Testament, we read, Joseph and Mary brought the infant Christ up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is not a service of baptism. We believe with you that baptism is an expression of a willful, faith-filled decision to follow Christ. This child has not made such a decision. But we believe with you that children of believing parents are set aside by God. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7.14 that children of believing parents are holy to the Lord. So like Hannah and Mary and Joseph of old, you too have brought your child to the church today to be dedicated to God. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Mackenzie is a reminder to us that the kingdom of God belongs to the humble of heart. He reminds us that God honors the weak things of this world. Okay, so um, Matt and Kim, uh, your turn. What name has been given to this child? Mackenzie Ann Pitcher. All right, so this next part is for you. And Mackenzie, this is what we're doing here today. So Dad's going to just tell all of us why we're here. Mackenzie, we bring you before the Lord today with the confident hope that you will one day be part of God's kingdom. We dedicate you to the Lord today with the prayer that one day cry out with your own humble heart to receive God's mercy. Okay, Mackenzie, can I, can I pray for you? I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> All right, let's pray together. For all your gracious gifts to us, O oh God, we, we thank you, especially for this child, for Mackenzie, whom we desire to dedicate to you. Bless her, and so follow her with your presence that she will increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with you and others. Be with Matt and Kim. Give them an understanding of your presence and will. And we pray for Mackenzie's extended family that they will help support and nurture this family. And through this service, demonstrate all of us a measure of your love and appreciation of children and help us to do our part in building a world where all children will grow in, in health and happiness and come to know you, whom to know is life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so Matt and Kim. Uh, you have been given a priceless trust. You promised to do all in your power to love this child and to nurture her in the love and fear of the Lord. If so, say, we do. We, we do. do. We heard it, Mackenzie. All right, extended family, godparents and extended family. You promised to do all in your power to support this family, 
to support this child all in your power. That doesn't mean pay for college education, but it does mean, it does mean provide the right kind of environment, Rebecca. To support this child, to encourage Matt and Kim in their efforts to raise this child in the love and fear of the Lord. If so, say, we do. Okay. Congregation. Let's do it. Stand with me. You are the first representatives of the body of Christ this child will ever know. Do you promise to do all that God calls you to do on her behalf? To, that doesn't include college education, although Matt and Kim would not object. But it does include nurturing and loving, caring, showing them hands and feet and arms and, and discipline and Bible stories and serving in the back. Showing them the love of God. You promise to do all that God calls you to do on her behalf, to bear witness to God's love to her, and to pray for and minister to this family in keeping with your duty to love them as Christ loved us. If so, say, we do. You may be seated. Okay, Mackenzie, one more time, we're going to pray. Loving Lord, thank you for the gift that you have given this family in Mackenzie, and we pray that she will grow in her knowledge of you and in her desire to serve others. And we look forward to the day when Mackenzie will give a clear and powerful testimony to your sovereign love for her out of her own heart. Protect her, guard her, keep her, and use her for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the pitchers have chosen a scripture to read over Mackenzie, and I think Kaylee is going to read it, big sister. So what is it? Yeah. So it's Jeremiah 29:11, and we chose this scripture because we feel it describes the all-encompassing plan God has for our child and children as well for, as for all of us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And all God's people said. Okay, Allison, I'm going to move right over here. Mackenzie, there, there, back a long time ago, they used to say a blessing over uh, their children, and we're going to do that now over you. People who believe in the Bible have been saying this for a long time. And your mom and dad wanted this, so we're all going to do this together, okay? All right, Mackenzie, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Okay, peace of the Lord be with you. Well, thank you. And it feels great to have someone genuinely pass Christ's peace to me, which some of you did, others of you were bored. So, those of you who are genuinely passing Christ's peace to one another, let's do it. Those of you who are bored, wake up and make it genuine. So, you'll turn to someone next to you and you'll say, the peace of the Lord be with you. And they'll say, and also with you. Or, you'll say, good morning, how are you? And they'll say, whatever they want. Let's stand and pass Christ's peace to one another.
you may be seated. Welcome. My name is Ed, and I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway. And if you're visiting with us, we're so glad to have you. Uh, you are, you're coming toward the end of a series of conversations we're having about the good life. And we're looking at um, Jesus' sermon in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's really the longest collection of Jesus' teaching in the Bible, and it's epic. And he tells us who, who has the good life. Uh, Cliff notes us. And then he talks about what it looks like in terms of you know, being a good person. But today, today is a really, I think, honestly, I think a significant uh, lesson for us, at least for me. Today we're going to talk about living beyond worry. And I think Jesus offers us a life uh, beyond worry. But before we do that, um, I want to introduce you to Heather DeJani. Heather is, um, they don't like us, Heather, in the 9 o'clock service, they burst into applause when I said Heather DeJani. too late. So, uh, <laughs> Heather has just, Heather has been a friend and a part of our community and community with Diane and I for many years. And um, Heather has agreed to be the part-time interim, she keeps saying it over and over, uh, part-time interim uh, Kids Town director. So, she's going to be working with our kids um, upstairs, and Heather, what in the world possessed you to say yes to this? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, so just a, a real quick brief history. Some of you I, might not even realize how old this church is, which means some of us who have been around are very old. Why did you look with such I emphasis? I know, I know, I know. So uh, my husband and I and our kids uh, began attending Gateway back in the fall of 1997. That's before we officially Before we started. were officially yeah. a church, yeah. official, official. Um, and then in the fall of 1999, the church called me to be uh, the children's director. And um, just so you all know, I didn't say this in the 9 o'clock service, but this church, Gateway, has always placed the ministry to children as something that's very important to them. We said kids are important. So I was hired full-time, we only had 38 kids. And we went to work and tried to build a children's ministry. So I ended up doing that for 11 years and then felt like God has, was calling me to step back, and I did that for many years. And the position has been filled, and the, the ministry has grown um, and now um, I'm being called to just step in, like I said, part-time, interim. Those are the <laughs> operative words, part-time, interim. Um, and so I'm going to be taking care of um, what is the elementary section. Allison, who was just here, takes care of everybody below kindergarten, and then kindergarten through fifth grade is the elementary upstairs section. And that's where I'll be. So, Heather, um, this is kind of all hands on deck. So how can we help you? How, how do, what do we do? 
Well, you know, I, I love the tie-in, and I love when God does stuff like this. The lesson we're actually doing with the kids this morning is about Samuel, which you just heard read in the baby dedication. Um, and then you all stood and said, yes, we're all in to help look after that child. And that would be my number two request. One, please pray. Um, I have formed a group of gals that I know really well to pray for some specifics for me, but I would love for all of you all to pray for our entire children's ministry to help us to grow it and to do it really, really well. And then the next thing would be is we have many holes we need to fill, assistants and lead positions in both the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock. We believe firmly that parents are the number one biggest spiritual leaders of their children, but we get them for one hour a week, and we want that hour to be done with excellence. And so we need some help. So I really would ask for you to consider stepping in. Um, we're not asking you to sign your life away. You don't have to serve every Sunday of every week of the whole year. We rotate. Um, so contact me. Come and see me. Talk to me. We would love to have you join upstairs in the elementary. Well, thank you, Heather. And let me, let me kind of kick us off with prayer and, and also pray for Heather. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your presence here this morning. We have sensed you in a number of ways, and I pray that you will continue to speak. I also pray for Heather. I thank you for her heart, for her gifts, for her ministry to us for many years, and I pray that you'll bless this season in Gateway's life and in Heather's life. Lord, make this a blessing. Um, and we pray that you will help us to minister to our children, to show them your love, your hands, your feet, your faith. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said... Amen. Thank you, Heather. You can pass that microphone off to, to these guys. So y'all come on up if you would. Um, Gateway, I want to introduce you to Andy and Ken. And uh, Andy, thank you for your service. You served uh, how many years and in what branch of service? I was in the United States Air Force for 16 years, followed by a medical retirement. Okay. Well, you spent uh, more time than anywhere else. Where? Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Very tough assignment. Suffering for Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Let's pass that mic to Ken. Ken, um, what branch of service were you in and how many years did you serve? The Navy, uh, 25 years, four months, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but who's counting? Okay. So uh, thank you both very much for your service. So. I think there are others here today who have served. So if there are a few of you here who have served in our nation's armed forces, would you, would you please stand and let's just acknowledge you. So stand if you serve. <laughs> remain standing. Remain standing. I want you to stand up. All right. Any, any, of, you, any of you also Navy? Any of you Navy? Okay. Uh, any of you also Air Force? Also, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's do something else. I've asked these two gentlemen, if they would, to read the scripture for us today. And we're going to read a profound passage of scripture. So we're looking today at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, 34. It breaks up into two natural parts, 19 through 24, so follow that. And then uh, 25 through 34. I've asked Ken if he would to read the first section of that. And I've asked Andy if he would to read the back section. And let's join 
our heroes and stand out of reverence for God's word as we read Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Hold on. Back up one slide, Pete. Just real quick, that analogy, you get it. You know, he's talking about vision. And, and he's saying, if you take in good stuff, if you take in light, then it'll be illuminated. If you take in darkness, it'll be dark. The, the analogy, obviously, spiritually. If you take in junk, the result is unhealth. Take in good stuff, the result is good stuff. Okay, keep going. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, Andy, um, have you ever worried? Once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're, you're, you're completely qualified to read this for us. <laughs> Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What, will you eat, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will wear is not, what you will wear is not life, uh, sorry, not life more than food and the Hard body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, man. You may be seated. Uh, don't worry. That's kind of what it amounts to, right? Don't worry. And, and look, um, there are really two very practical reasons for that. First of all, worrying is unfaithful. Look at the birds. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And it's unproductive. Worrying is unfaithful and it's unproductive. Can any of you add a minute to your life by worrying? Worrying is unfaithful and it's unproductive. Stop worrying. Go in peace. But it, it doesn't work quite like that. In fact, that can be decidedly unhelpful. So uh, to understand this better, to think about this 
differently to, to, to make this more helpful. I think we need to, th- to hear what Jesus is telling us here. Not so much addressed at you when you're worrying. Don't worry, stop worrying. That's not what he's saying here. What he's doing is he's addressing us when we're choosing to worry. He's addressing the process that leads us to deep, embedded, dominating worry, to anxiety. That's helpful. This is intended to address the choice to worry. Now, look, worry often has a chemical basis, certainly. And there are also circumstantial conditions that cause worry. In fact, stress is the right response to some circumstances. But long-term worry often has an element of choice in it. And we often don't admit that to ourselves. Something fuels our worry, and then, and then we choose to look at that. We choose to focus on that. That becomes, that becomes the fuel that we ingest, and the result of it is this embedded, intractable, long-term worry. In fact, this has become kind of an obsession in our culture. I read this week that the, the number of people who are diagnosed with anxiety disorder and are taking medication for anxiety or seeing a counselor for anxiety, if this were some other kind of disease, we would, we would call it an epidemic. Something fuels our worry, and then we choose to focus on that thing. Here's what I mean. Something fuels our drive. Something fuels our vision. And we choose to focus on that thing, and it's usually beyond our control, and it's often something that will not give us satisfaction anyway. That's the connection between the first part of the passage and the second part of the passage. We choose to focus on something, and it's beyond our control, and it often will not give us satisfaction anyway. And Jesus chooses for that first section as the launching point into worry. He chooses one of the things, maybe one of the main things that fuels our worry. Jesus talks about money. And he says three things about money. He says, first of all, why are you investing so much of your time and energy around collecting treasure? Earthly treasure is not reliable. It's impermanent. By definition, it's impermanent. Moth and rust eat it away. There are no U-Hauls behind hearses. You know, it was a practice of the ancient world to bury people with all their stuff. This was known throughout all ancient cultures. People would get buried with their stuff. That practice went away a millennia ago, and, and I suspect that it went away because there were some people one day walking by a grave that had been disturbed by animals or, or by an earthquake or something, and they look inside and they say, hey, all their stuff is still there. You don't get to take it with you. Well, let's just keep it. Uh, no, that no longer happens. You should be investing in something more permanent because your heart is in what you're invested in. Your heart is in what you're invested in. And, and by definition, our treasures here, our treasures are impermanent. The second thing he says is, why are you focusing on things that will not produce health in you in the long run? Focusing on the wrong things produces a kind of spiritual darkness in you. Guess what happens if you eat nine pounds of candy, uh, uh, cotton candy? You get sick to your stomach. If you do that every day for a year, you'll probably, seriously, you'll probably die for, from malnutrition. Because what results in our physical activity is, the, is a result of the fuel that we put in. The same thing is true spiritually. Vision is critically important. Jesus is acknowledging when it's missing, when we don't see, we're dark, we're unhealthy. Spiritual vision is what creates real health or unhealth in us. 
So if, if our vision is on the wrong thing, for example, if our life is dominated by greed, then we will be unhealthy. We will be in darkness spiritually. The third thing he says about money is you cannot have two main governing principles in your life. You cannot have two ultimate priorities. One will invariably be more important than the other. So you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have those two things as your driving influence. And this train of thought leads him immediately to worry. So Jesus is saying, in effect, to us, money drives you. You make it your priority. It's highly unreliable. It won't satisfy you in the long run. Still, your version gets blurred, and you're unhealthy, and you end up serving it to the degree that it becomes your ultimate priority, and it drives God out of your heart and your life. I know how that feels. So those of you who have known me for a long time and have uh, been in mine and Diane's life, uh, you have heard um, parts of my story, my own journey before, but I wanted to share some of that today. Uh, I struggled for a long time um, in my uh, 20s, very early 30s, with anxiety. And I want to tell you today I feel really fortunate because this doesn't always happen for, for many people. Anxiety is uh, something that you just over time and through the kind of stuff we're talking about this morning, you learn to manage and you can. Jesus wants you to live beyond worry. But I feel like in my own life I was healed. So I want to tell you a little bit about that. When I was um, 10 years old, my father died of a heart attack. He was from a family of uh, nine uh, boys and, and uh, four women, and uh, all of them but um, three, I think, died of heart attacks at young ages. Uh, the oldest was uh, 58, I think. My dad was 50 when he died. There was a period of time in my junior high and early high school years in which, literally, I, I had this shot of fear in my household every time the phone rang at night because I thought it was a long-distance call telling me someone else had died. In fact, it often was. Uh, I remember when I was in college, I saw I went to college in the 1830s, and I saw a film uh, in one of my classes about um, this. They, they were doing, um, this was in the early years of doing research on, on genetics, and they were doing this film on um, the... the uh, things that lead to the precipitating causes for, like, heart disease. They, I think they were just taking heart disease as an example. They were talking about cholesterol and the damage that cholesterol could do. And then they talked about genetic factors. And they showed a, a young man about my age at the time, and they were telling his family history and the impact that that would have on him and, and what that would say about his potential for uh, having heart disease one day because of this family history. Here was the ironic thing. His last name was Allen. And his family history in the film was not as bad as my family history. So we get out of this class and everybody else is, you know, off to lunch or off to their next class or off to their next college activity. I got out of class and was terrified. Uh, something settled deep in my heart I didn't realize what I would ultimately come to discover over time and talking and praying and doing a lot of this kind of work, I didn't let other people know this very much, but um, what I came to realize is that I was scared to death of death. I got to the point where I was 25 years old and I had the active thought, my life is half over. 
every time I, I'm laying in bed and I get some kind of little twinge in my heart, am I having a heart attack now? I became a hyper-hypochondriac, and uh, that was one of the things that fueled anxiety and worry for me. I got to the point, believe it or not, my lovely wife Diane put up with most of this. I would regularly, during our early relationship, I'd say to Diane, I just want to feel normal. You know, I want to be relaxed. I want to just, I didn't used to be like this. I wasn't this nutty. Uh, there, there was a period of time when it was difficult. I, you know, I was experiencing what I now know were, not regularly, but what I now know were uh, panic attacks. Um, it just freaked me out. I got to the point where for a while it was difficult for me to go to a movie. I'd go to the movie and I'd have to sit in one of the back two rows and I'd sit like this the whole time just afraid that I was going to burst into what I would call my worry funk because I would start worrying and then I know my family history. The worst thing I can do is worry so that I would worry about worrying and then I know how bad it is to worry about worrying so I'd worry about worrying about worrying. And it was just a downward spiral that would suck me in. But you know what I did? I, I, I got serious spiritually. I sought God. I, I went to healing services. I had friends pray over me. I tried to memorize scripture. I got mad at God. I yelled at God. What in the world is going on with me? And all the while, it seems to me like um, it's, it's not getting better. Second feature of my life, I would call that a negative drive. The second feature of my life was what I would even call a positive drive, positive fuel for my anxiety. I really wanted to make an impact, and that's a good thing. But, you know, it's kind of laced, and maybe more with laced than laced, with the desire to be important, to be influential. Think of it as a grown-up version of a high school person wanting to be popular. You know, I just wanted to be influential. I wanted people to go, wow, that guy's awesome and cool, and devastatingly handsome. Hello, Ed. Uh, and so, at 25 years old, I'm, what's going on with my life? What's good? What am I doing? What's happening? Why, why am I not important? And I didn't, none of, most of this wasn't conscious, but I would, I would focus on things that would fuel that, and that would result in anxiety. Things got better over time. I, I, you know, I made those discoveries. I realized that, you know, this might be being fueled by this, and that was helpful. But I was ultimately healed. I don't struggle with it anymore. Uh, some of you who struggle with this in your life, you're amazed. But, I mean, I don't struggle anymore. Two things happened. They, they were like this was one of those things that wasn't a slow dawning. It was a day and a time, and I remember it well. Uh, the first was um, I went to my doctor. Diane and I had a great doctor. He was about 40 minutes away, but we drove to him because he was awesome. He was a really good doctor. Some of you will remember when medicine was like this. You know, he was my family physician. You go for a physical, and he'd take a, an hour, an hour and a half with you. And he had a British accent, so everything he said sounded good, even if he had no idea what he's talking about. And uh, he was a believer, so he, we could talk about faith. And he spent six months of the year practicing medicine, in South Hamilton, Massachusetts, and he spent six months of the year overseas practicing medicine. So I went to see my doctor. We were talking. He comes in, takes my blood pressure. Blood pressure was high. It's always high. But when I saw the doctor, you know, white coat syndrome, it shoot through the roof. I'm dying. I know it. So he would take my blood pressure, and blood pressure was really high. And then he'd say, tell me about Diane. Oh, she's 
You know, Doc, she's cute, she's sexy. How are your, uh, how are your kids doing? All the, you know, we had one at the time. I think they're, they're, they're doing great. Then he take my blood pressure. Oh, uh, you know, it's much better. You know, you're freaked out by me. Why is that? your British accent, I don't know. Anyway, so then we talk about, um, we talk about uh, my worry. And so I just, I get honest with him, maybe more honest than I've ever been with anybody. And I tell him my freakish hypochondria and I'm dying half the time at night and uh, I, I don't know, Doc. And so he says to me, um, hey, listen, Ed, you know, you're thin, your dad was overweight, number one. Number two, your dad lived in a small town in South Carolina in the 60s, and that's like, think, you know, 14th century. And they just, no medical capacity. And you, you, the medicine's getting better and better, and by the time you get to this age, and at this point I'm past that age, but by the time you get to this, this age, medicine is going to be so much better. They're going to, your, your blood pressure is under control. You're, you're, here's the real rational truth. You're probably going to die of a heart attack one day. Thanks a lot, Doc. Even with the British accent, that's not good news. But he, then he says, here's how I imagine this. I imagine you're 80 years old, and your kids come to visit you for a holiday. Your grandkids are there. You've had this great day, and you're exhausted. The week has worn you out. They go home, and you sit in a comfortable chair, and you keel over dead. He said, now I can imagine worse ways to go than that. 7,000 pounds lifted off my shoulder. I don't know why, but boom. The second thing was, um, I'm not usually this spiritual, but I was actually thinking and praying about this one day and interacting with God. And God showed me something profound that lifted the rest of this burden off my shoulders and has to this day. God showed me, um, hey, you worried a lot through this period of your life. Yes, thanks, I know. You know what it did? Other than drive me crazy, what? It drove you to me. It made you riveted in your focus on me. It gave you a drive and a passion for me that you would not have had you were a silly boy, and you, would have not been, you, would have, you wouldn't have been serious about me without that gift. 18,000 pounds float into the air. <sighs> My worry was a gift. It drove me to God. The next time I worried, thank you for the gift. And this is the key to overcoming worry, allowing ourselves to be driven to God. I'm not saying that some of us don't need counseling. Some of you do, and for a lot of reasons. I'm not saying that some of us don't need medication. But worry, anxiety, does not need to dominate our lives. That is not the good life. And Jesus is offering you a life beyond worry. 
beyond having it dominate your lives. How do we get there? He tells us very simply in the passage, in the part of the passage that Andy read for us, he stood right here and told us the key. I told you the first week of this message that this was the high point of the sermon and we would get there one day. Well, we're here now. Andy stood right here and he read it with emphasis, didn't he? He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. So seek Pursue first as your first priority, not, not, not redoing the kitchen, not, not having your kids make the travel team, not, not making sure that they make straight A's through middle school. Seek first the kingdom of God, and that means God's control in your life. That's a choice. That's you surrendering your life to his control. This is where I've ended up with me trying to control it. I'd like to try something different. Jesus, come into my life and take control. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Two weeks ago, we talked about what it meant to live a good life. Jesus said, your righteousness should surpass the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. We were amazed that he said that, but we received it. And then we talked about how awesome it is. And he wants us to be good people. That's part of being the good life. But it turns out that part of being a good person is letting his righteousness just live through us. We don't have to do it all. We don't have to get everything right. We let him live through us. Seek, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else gets added. What does seeking his kingdom and righteousness look like? So I want to get really practical this morning and give you a, a literal pathway toward seeking his kingdom and righteousness. I'm going to spell it out. And this, this pathway, by the way, this, this will build, this will lay down the tracks for the good life in your life. It's, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. Those of you who've been to Connect Four, or if you've been around Gateway for a while, you know this already. We wrote this into our, this is so important, we wrote this into our church covenant. We've identified seven habits. If you will practice these habits in your life, in your marriage, if you're married, if you will practice these seven habits, God will literally lay down a pathway to the good life, the real good life, not the sucker punch good life that we see advertised on television. So, seven habits. Number one, use resources with wisdom and purpose. That means your stuff. In Northern Virginians, we have a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of resources. And often, those resources are using us because we t it takes up so much time and energy. Use your resources with wisdom and purpose. Use them for God's causes. Use them for your kids. Use them for your neighbors. Use them to be generous to the world. One of the ways you can do that is through Gateway. But other things as well. Use your resources, your time, your energy, and your money with wisdom and purpose. Don't let them drive you. Secondly, practice creative devotion. And practicing creative devotion, that means spending time trying to connect with God. Is it sometimes boring? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. I've said before, I don't wake up in the morning when I go exercise and go, whoa, I can't wait to go run. That just never happens. But when I go run and I come home, I always say, I'm glad I did that. And over the course of months, I feel better. 
practice creative devotion. Seek first every day the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that, that devotional life has got to center around his story. This is his story. The Bible and prayer. We have to learn how to do this and get better at it. Practice creative devotion. Third, invest in community. Most of you, if you came from a fairly healthy background, some of us didn't. But if you came from a fairly healthy background, when you were nine, you had it, right? You had a great best friend. It came easy. You just threw rocks at stuff. You fought once in a while and you played football or cricket. This is, this is what you did and it was easy. And there's somewhere inside of us a little nine-year-old still buried thinking it ought to be easy. It's not. You're too busy. There's too much going on. You have to choose it. You have to invest in it. You have to go to dinner. You have to go to lunch. You have to, you have to write notes. You have to write emails. You have to confess. Here's what's going on with me. You have to ask for help. Invest in community. Fourth, nourish others out of personal wholeness. Nourish other people, but it's got to be out of a place of wholeness in you because some of you are so messed up that what you're offering the rest of us is just not at this point very nourishing. So let's, let's get better and let's nourish other people. Uh, fifth, open our lives to people in need. Northern Virginians, we have priced need out of our neighborhood. They can't afford to live here. So this has to be a choice by us. We have to choose to open our lives to people in need. Sixth, uplift God's character. If you put a parenthesis beside that, you'd write holiness or being good. Be a good person. And you do that by letting him be good through you. It's not a checklist, don't do this and do do this. It's letting him live through you. Let his character, your life is a screen on which his character gets shown. Uplift his character. And last, tell other people what's happened to you. Tell other people your story tomorrow. Tell somebody the story. I don't know why I'm shouting. These, the practice of these habits builds a pathway toward the good life. It's not easy, but it's that simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then trust that everything else gets taken care of. All right, there I'm talking to five or nine or 31 of you this morning who have not made the initial decision to be in. You have not recognized that your default position is an offense to God. I'm sorry to say it like that. Talking to Bill Russell yesterday, he, he reminded me the default position for you and I is an offense to God because we think we got this and we really don't. In those moments when we know we don't, we hide those from ourselves. And you've not admitted that yet. You have not made a decision. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about coming to Gateway. I'm talking about making a decision. I'm in with God controlling my life. I'm in with Jesus Christ because of what he did for me. He took everything that separated me from God and he absorbed it in his death and then his life gets lived through me. And some of you have not made that decision. And you need to today. Others of you, what's the, what's the reading on your seeking meter? How you been doing? Are you finding your life and satisfaction in him? Are you practicing creative devotion? Are you using your resources with wisdom and purpose? Are you finding ways to open your life to people in need 
Are you pursuing him consistently and as your first priority? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up if they would. And I'm going to ask you all to uh, join me in prayer. So, Lord, I don't know how you've spoken, but I know we need you right now, every hour, every minute. There's, some of us, Lord, have not gone in with you. I mean, we thought we were okay because we went to Sunday school or we grew up some, we went to Catholic school until we were in the eighth grade. Or we, I don't know. And we've not, we've not decided and so we're, we're, We've made ourselves susceptible to all kind of stuff because of the stuff we're taking in, the fuel that we're consuming. We're unhealthy. We've not chosen. We have not chosen you. And I want to ask you, Jesus, that you break our hearts this morning so that you'd heal them. Because I know what that's like. And others of us, Lord, are, are running low on the seeking meter. We've been walking with you for a while and we're just tired or we're distracted or we're too busy or we've got... We kid ourselves into thinking that we that doesn't... We've made other things more important. I want you to hear us this morning. As we uh, come and confess to you, I want you to hear our words and I want you to hear our hearts. Let's, uh, let's pray together, choir. Let's do it with a melody. Let's sing this verse with Jordan. Lord, I come, I confess.
stand together. Lord, I come. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. So here's what it comes down to, always. It's always about, you know, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He gave a revolutionary answer. He gave the answer, and then he said, not only is that the greatest commandment, all of what's been said up until now is summarized in that. What was it? What was that magic soup? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So uh, it's, it's, it's with our mind, we're saying these things. It's with our heart we're believing these things and then willfully stepping in. So I don't know what decision that you need to make this morning, but I'm looking at dozens of people this morning that need to make a decision of some kind. So let's sing this, uh, Lord, I need you section, Pete. Let's sing this with our voices and with our heart and let's step in. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. Every hour I need Look at this. My one. Here you go. Defense. My righteousness. Oh, God, how I need Second verse, Jordan. Second verse. Your grace is born, grace is found, is Okay, choir, let's hear it.
heart, mind, will stepping in. Lord, I need you. Let's sing it. said this morning, but you've spoken. We pray as we often do. Seal that in the name of Jesus. And on Thursday, when we want to forget this morning, remind us that this morning we said we're in. Seeking you first in your kingdom. And you're right. And all God's people said, why don't you sit down for one minute? Amen. Good afternoon, Gateway. My name is Will, and this is my family. This is Audrey, William, and Grace. And we usually go to the 9 o'clock service, but the kids decided to hang out with us on stage today. So wave, guys. Can you wave? A little bit. Um, so uh, thank you all for, for coming this morning, especially if you're new. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming to Gateway and checking us out. And hopefully you felt welcomed and someone said hi to you. Um, but not too much high. I remember when we first started coming, we were like, man, we're new. We hope someone comes and says hello to us, but don't talk to us too much. And so, uh, you know, we're at the stage now. I'm probably that person that's going to talk to you too much and give you a tour of the building, talk about our groups, and next thing you know, you're not going to come anymore. So, you know, really, our intention is to make you feel welcomed and, and appreciative that, that you're here. And so, with that, if those that are collecting offering could could make their way forward, and um, as they do, if you don't mind praying with me, that would be, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, and as we said, we, we need you every, every moment, every, every minute, every second, and we extend our worship this afternoon through our tithes and offerings and all, all the blessings that you're, you're driving through this church, so we thank you, Lord. Amen. So we've got a few announcements. So the first one is uh, if you remember, Jamin Bell and Bill Russell uh, submitted their application, so to speak, to become elders. And so if you're a member, head towards the back. You'll see Trisha was there um, uh, to submit your, your vote. And um, it'll take just a few seconds. So if you remember, head towards the back. We have some great candidates to, uh, to, uh, to vote on. The second announcement is our new giving platform. So I don't know if you have been giving regularly online in the past through Gateway, but uh, how do we say, uh, the old platform was a little old, old school, we'll say. And so this, this new platform is awesome. It's seamless. So if you go to mygateway.life and check out that little yellow button on the bottom right corner, it'll list how to transfer all your account information to the new platform has an FAQ list and everything. It's, it's really easy. It doesn't take very long. And we're actually saving the church thousands of dollars annually uh, because of this, this new platform. So be sure to, to check that out. Another announcement is Go. You want to talk about Go, Audrey? 
go. It is go time. And we are so super excited about that. Um, we, you know, I think the sermon was so perfect today that aligns with this and the songs and everything. Um, and you should feel encouraged um, about all of it and the opportunity to be able to go because we do believe that Gateway and the family of Christ exists to love God and love others. And that is exactly why this was created, to go out in the community and be a blessing to those that are less fortunate. And so if we can go on to the next slide, I know the last couple of weeks you already have seen some announcements about it. Some of you already picked up the reusable grocery bags. Thank you so much. If you already picked one up but you forgot to bring it today, it is okay. You could still return those all the way up until next Sunday, and then one of our volunteers will deliver that to Light on Hunger Relief um, the following week. Um, on those pictures, you can see some other opportunities that we actually still need to fill. Um, JK Farms out in Percival is a beautiful drive out, Western Loudoun. Um, great opportunity to get your hands dirty um, and help them with their fall harvest so they can go and take that food to those that are in need. We have two organizations, Mobile Hope um, and Women Giving Back in Sterling. And those are donation center and they do need people to sign up and you can sign up with your kids. Um, and you can sign up on mygateway.life. Go. So when you go on there, all you have to do is put your name on there. You're not getting on any other list. And one of our team contacts will contact you and let you know about the details. But they need some people go sorting. Um, and we're still collecting canned foods and hygiene items for Mobile Hope for the homeless youth. And that is through next Friday because we have a whole group of people coming in on Saturday morning to sort through that. So um, please go on there and consider serving with us. And don't do it alone. Invite a neighbor. Invite a coworker. I don't know, or whoever you don't like. Maybe you can bond serving together. I don't know. But don't do it alone. Sign up today. Awesome. And before we pray for Go specifically, the fourth announcement is it's our anniversary today. I forgot earlier. So happy anniversary. It's been an amazing, fantastic, lovely seven years. It's been, it's been great. It's been great. Can you mute his mic? Yeah. Uh, so let me pray for, for Go, and then we'll go in peace. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And we continue to pray for, for our Go outreach event on the 16th, and we're really leaning in into serving our community and those less fortunate around us. And we pray for those families that um, are, are challenged spiritually, financially, uh, mentally, emotionally. And we just, we just hope that we're the light in our communities through this program and our continued outreach uh, through, through, the, through the coming months. So thank you, Lord, and thank you for Gateway. Amen. So thank you, guys. Love you. Go in peace.
you did a great job. I, I love you.